0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Well, thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast. Uh, We rejoice in the goodness of the Lord, allowing us to continue on with the podcast. And uh, next Tuesday, I believe it'll be, will be our first year anniversary of doing this Daily Doctrine Devotional. And so we thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for helping us. Thank the Lord for those of you that pray, those of you that listen, those of you that download, those of you that have it for homeschool, chapel services, devotion time, those of you listening to your commute to work, and some of you just listen because you enjoy the podcast. Thank God for that. And we certainly appreciate each and every one of you. I would like to remind you that we will be at the Rich Acres Baptist Church starting on Sunday morning, be there also Sunday night through Wednesday night. That's down in Martinsville, Virginia. And so the Rich Acres Baptist Church, first time being there preaching. We look forward to the meeting there. When we get home, uh, eventually we'll be back over the mountain beginning the following Monday. So that's going to be uh, starting out on the 9th of January. We'll be running through that following Sunday Sunday. And we'll be just over the mountain from us, over in Broadtop City, Pennsylvania. So uh, we'll give more information next week about that meeting. But just want to remind you of those things coming up. Pray for the McBay families. So we'll be traveling this weekend, and of course, we keep each and every one of you that we know about in prayer. We're we'll to be back in Psalm one nineteen again. We'll be in Zayin, and of course, that other letter of the Hebrew alphabet, verse forty nine. I'm going to read verse forty nine down to verse fifty six, and I have a few notes here. And uh, just look at a couple of comments. But he says, Remember thy word on thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. And so we see in this section here in Zay and we see in verse 49 through verse 56, we do see a little bit of messianic psalm. We see some things certainly that could be Jesus Christ. One of those things is the whore that's taking a hold upon him because of the wicked men. And so we'll look at that in a few moments, but I want to begin this section of the psalm and I want to look in verse 50 where he says, this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word Hath quickened me, And I put down a note here simply in Psalm 143 and verse 12. And again, this is a Messianic Psalm in Psalm 143. And that's why I equate this to most likely be in Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to be too dogmatic unless I be an offense to some that may not understand or see these things. But in verse 12 of Psalm 143, it says, Of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. And so the request is made to cut them off, those that afflict his soul. Who are those that afflict his soul? Well, again, he tells us later on in this psalm, it's the wicked that forsake thy law. They have afflicted the soul of Jesus Christ. That's why his soul has been offered. That's why his soul is in torment. That's why his soul has made that offering for sin. And then he goes on to verse 50, and he says, For thy word hath quickened me. And again, I look just in the Psalms, not just Psalm 119, but throughout the Psalms, I look at that word quicken, it gives a little bit better understanding. Psalm 71 and verse 20. In verse 20, he says, Thou which has showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And so we see there, he says, shalt quicken me again. What does that mean? He was alive once. Why isn't he alive now? Well, if you look at the end of verse 20, He says, it shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. So why isn't he alive? Because he's in the depths of the earth. His soul's been offered for sin. He is dead. That's what it's speaking about. This is a verse about the resurrection. So quicken me again. And so it is with you and I. We need you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Hath he quickened? Psalm 80 and then verse 18 of Psalm chapter 80, along the same lines of what we just read. So will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. So again, Lord, give us life. Bring us back to life. Some of us are absolutely spiritually dead. Some of us are just lethargic, but spiritually dead is what he's speaking about there. In Psalm 119 and verse 25, when he said, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. In verse 37, he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me. In thy way. We saw in verse 40 of Psalm 119, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts, quicken me in thy righteousness. Psalm 119 and verse 88, Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And so we see the pattern that's followed here of make me alive, bring back to life that which needs to be restored again, that which, as we saw in Psalm 71, is dead. Now, in Psalm 119 and verse 107, he said, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. And again, even before we looked at Psalm 119 in the detail we had the last week or so, uh, we had seen part of this as a messianic psalm. We saw that in prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And so again, he's telling him to quicken him. Make me alive. Bring me back to life. That I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 149. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgments. Verse one fifty four. He says, "Plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word." And then the last place we'll look here is in Psalm one nineteen and verse one hundred and fifty nine. He says, "Consider how I love thy precepts, quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness." And so he equates the word and the loving kindness often in that quickening. And by the way, we are quickened by the word of God. It's what makes us alive. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And the answer of thy word giveth light. And we saw the light of God. He revealed himself to us through the word of God. And so that's the quickening process is the word of God. But then he also speaks quickening according to thy loving kindness. And it is the loving kindness of God that would take a dead sinner, dead and trespasses and sins, and quicken them. But also then we see that in the Messianic Psalms, we see that quickening was of the soul of Jesus Christ, which was dead. It had been offered. And so we see that according to the scriptures, again, his soul has been made that offering for sin and he's quickened. He's made alive. Verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction for thy word hath quickened me. And then he goes on and says, the proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. And I looked up a couple of places there for that derision because I believe there's a little bit of a lack of understanding to some of these words. I've heard things said about these words that often don't make sense. And sometimes it's kind of given to hilarity or modern spin on it where it's that derision is just confusion and nothing else added to it. But he said in Psalm 2 and verse 4, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. So it's part of that confusion. Yes, part of that is confusion, but it's a stronger word than confusion. Derision is absolute discombobulation, but that wouldn't really flow well in the scripture. And that's not the word that God used there. But Psalm 44 and verse 13, he says, "Thou makest a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. So we see there, it's not only just confusion, but it's also really being shoved away. It's those that, I wouldn't say outcasts there, but I would say those that you keep at a distance. It'd be like the leper. It'd be like that one that's spotted, that one that has the issue. You would keep them at a distance. You don't want to be near them. The Lord, it has that doing. The Lord has that power over men. Psalm 59 and verse eight, but thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. And so again, we see it's a little bit stronger than just confusion, but the Lord's going to keep them at a distance. The Lord is going to not just have them confused, but the Lord's going to deliberately and willfully keep them away. Uh, and, and the reason why is his judgment. That is the wrath of God there. That is the judgment of Almighty God we see. But in the passage we're looking at here, he's the proud have had me greatly in derision. And so the proud have done this to them. Uh, they want nothing to do with us. Why? Because of what we stand for, what we believe. Believe in this King James Bible will separate you from men. They'll have you in derision. And he said, but yet in spite of that, he said, yet I not have, have not, I declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. And then verse 53 comes from another place. I want to look at a couple of words there. Uh, but one of those is that horror hath taken hold upon me. Because of the wicked that forsake thy law. What is that horror? Well, we see that in scripture a couple of places. Now, we're looking at a couple of those places. Genesis 15 and 12 is that first place I'd like to look. And the reason is because it really does define the horror, what the word horror means. And when the sun was going down, a deep, deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. What would a horror of of great darkness be? It'd be absolute darkness. There's no light. It's an absolute. It's a dark thing. That is a horror. That That is a terrible thing to experience when there's absolutely no light. Ezekiel 7 and then verse 18, the Word of God tells us this. Ezekiel 7 and verse 18, they also shall gird themselves with sackcloth and horror shall cover them and shame shall be upon all faces And baldness upon all their heads. And then you go to Psalm 55 and verse 5, and we see the absolute horror that he speaks of here. And he says, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. So where is that? It's an absolute darkness. There's horror there. It's an absolute separation, if you will, isolation. There's horror there. Psalm 55, we know is messianic. We know that horror that overwhelmed him, the absolute horror of hell, the darkness of hell, this weeping, this wet, and this gnashing of teeth is called outer darkness. It's an absolute. And so we see in Psalm 119.53, horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. And then in verse 54, he says, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Abram was a sojourner. We know that Abraham was a wanderer. He was a pilgrim. He was looking for the land that God had promised him. Jacob of himself said he was in a pilgrimage. He was a wanderer. He was a pilgrim in this land. In Exodus chapter 6, We see that the children of Israel were called, they they were in a pilgrimage, they were pilgrims, they were wanderers, and every one of them was looking for a city. And they had a promise from God, but they they were pilgrims. Why were they pilgrims? Because they were on a pilgrimage. They were trying to find a place. They were trying to get to where they wanted to go, but they couldn't quite get there. It was that pilgrimage upon which they were on. You and I are pilgrims in this world. We're on a pilgrimage in this land, in this world in which we live. Hebrews 11 to 13 says, "'These all died in faith, not having received the promises, "'but having seen them afar off, "'and were persuaded of them and embraced them "'and confessed that they were strangers "'and pilgrims on the earth.'" Why? Because they're looking for a different place. They're looking for a new home. They're looking for a different home. This world is not my home. That's the pilgrimage. And that's what the psalmist is speaking of. "'Thy statutes have been my songs "'in the house of my pilgrimage.'" As we labor in this world and as we try to get through this wicked world and past this wicked world, it is our pilgrimage. It's our wanderings. It's our growth with God. And it's, it's why John Bunyan called it Pilgrim's Progress. It's explained his journey and talked about his journey. Every one of us is on a pilgrimage. Every one of us in a place of a pilgrimage, in the house of our pilgrimage. And we're looking for that city. We're looking for that place. We're looking to walk with God and to be a friend of God, have relationship with God, because he is the eternal God, that eternal life abides in him. And can I say to you, my friend, today, it's a real pilgrimage, friend. Uh, not to be in love with this world is to be at enmity with God. To love the things of this world is to be enmity with God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's why we're pilgrims. This world doesn't even make sense to the pilgrim. This world uh, is confusing to the pilgrim, as we see Lawlessness and godlessness and iniquity abounding. It's confusing to the pilgrim because he's not of this earth. He's spiritual. He's in Christ. Christ has made him a new creature. That's the pilgrimage that the psalmist is speaking about. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. What is in the night there? It's those night seasons. It's when he waters his couch with his tears. It's with strong crying and tears as it was in the days of Melchizedek. As the evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. It's when weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. That's why I said, O Lord, in the night He remembered his name and have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Would you join us tomorrow as we start again in verse 57, and we'll be with the letter Chef, the section from 57 to verse 64. Continue to pray for us. We'll pray for you. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home.